The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there. It's all very exciting, but it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ah, feel the whoa with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're taking over. Screen. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest Church. I'm in a year of acceleration, accelerated progress, accelerated faith. This year, all I do is win. In Jesus' name, Selah. Go to Proverbs 10.22. I wanted to do this morning session that dealt with, uh, make, somebody say, making money moves. Say, I don't dance no more. I make money moves couple of y'all know something about that. Proverbs 10, 22. When we say that, what we're saying is, I don't struggle no more. I, I, I ain't going to have to be begging and asking and this and all that. Say, I'm out of those days. Uh-huh. Proverbs 10, 22. It is the Lord's blessing that makes a person rich. All right. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. I'm going to say it a third time. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. Just declare this over your life. Say, I'm rich. Now, now, if you you don't want to accelerate in your finances, it's a good time to go ahead and step out. Because what I'm getting ready to release in here is just for those who are determined that by the end of this year, my financial situation is going to be at a whole nother level. Matter of fact, I ain't going to have to borrow nothing from nobody. I'm going to be like a bank. They're going to be coming to me. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Holla, I'm rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. Now, go to Genesis 5.22. What makes somebody rich? The blessing of the Lord. Go to the Genesis 5.22. Genesis 5.22. Genesis 5.22. You're sitting next to a blessed person. Or, uh, make it four, uh, Make it 5.2, excuse me. Genesis 5.2. When you get it, say, I got it, Bishop. All right? I want you to read it with me. One, two, ready, read. Stop. Go to Proverbs 10.22. You got it? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Genesis 5-2. He created them male and female and blessed them. You didn't get it yet. You didn't get it yet. 
Go back to Proverbs 10.22. Go back to Proverbs. Go back to Proverbs. What makes somebody rich? Genesis 5.2. He created them. Lay your hands on yourself. Now, I don't care where you're at financially. Maybe you're doing fantastic. You're about to do better. Maybe, maybe you're on fumes and five miles to empty. That's over. Maybe you want to be a bit of a better blessing to your church. Well, you're going to be able to do that. Say your name. Say you're about to make money moves. Say it again. Say it again. Say because you are blessed. And the scripture says that blessing makes you rich. You can sit there and look at me like that if you want to, but I'm not preaching what I don't live. I'm not preaching what I don't know. Father, speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. I want to jump into this because we got a lot of ground to cover today. Uh, say, I'm rich. Say, I have no lack. Uh, say, all my needs are met. I live in abundance and overflow. To make money moves means to accelerate your finances. And years ago, a man of God had people saying this. You may remember this if you grew up in the church. It says, money cometh to me right now. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? Let's just say that one time. Say, money cometh to me right now. Uh, but I want to contemporize it because we've got millennials, Gen Xers, baby boomers, a little bit of everybody. So I want to borrow this from the Wayans brothers. More money more money, more money. Now, uh, the reason you need to make some money moves is because the Bible says that money answers all things. So in order for you to be an answer to anything, you've got to have some money. Now, now, now say, uh, more money, more money, more money. Now, now, please understand, I am talking to everyday folks, I'm talking to pastors, I'm talking to leaders, I'm talking to everybody who wants to make a difference. That's why you're here on a Thursday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning praising and worshiping Jesus and shouting. It's because you have decided my life will not be like the rest of my bloodline. You have decided that I will not live in lack, I will not live in poverty, and you have decided that if the man of God said we're accelerating, well, doggone it, that's exactly what I expect to do. I expect to accelerate, and I'm not following some man that ain't living what he's saying. I'm following, I got proof that this thing works. Touch your neighbor and say, we got proof. Now, so to make money moves, it means to accelerate your finances. The issue is many people separate spirituality from success. They separate faith from finances, but they're not separate. They're like hand in glove. Say they're not separate. It's like Hagen and Dawes, Ben and Jerry's, Crispy and Cream. In fact, there are over 2,300 verses about money, more than prayer, more than faith, more than heaven or hell in the Bible. So we need to teach about money. And the only people who don't want Christians having money are people who want to shut Christians up. Because when you got money, you can go and say, listen, Mr. President, look, now, if you don't do what we say, we're going to starve your beast. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Please understand, we live really, we care it's a democracy. This really is not a democracy. It's really technically a democratic republic. But the truth is, it's not really that. It's really an oligarchy. An oligarchy is a system that is controlled by people with money. Which means you want to know who really calls the shots in America? It's the people sitting behind the scenes that can write checks. Well, let me tell you who's getting ready to go from the bottom to the top and write some checks to call the shots. You are sitting next to somebody that's like that. Touch your neighbor. Say the blessing makes us rich. 
There are two of the leading causes outside of mental instability for depression and suicide are relationships. That's number one. And number two, money or career issues. Those are the two um, leading reasons for a depression and suicide. We've seen so many people here lately committing suicide. In fact, in America, depending on the statistic, suicides are up between 25 and 30 percent. And the reality is, is that sometimes you can say, well, why would a person do this? It seems like they were happy. It seems like they were good. It seems like everything, uh, they had everything. But I, it's interesting because Proverbs says, Proverbs meaning wisdom, it says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. But notice when it, you're blessed, you're not just rich, there's a condition to it. And he adds no sorrow with it, which means not only are my needs met, not only do I have overflow, but watch this, but I've also got joy to accompany those riches. We saw people last uh, over the last month that had millions and millions of dollars, yet they didn't have the blessing of the Lord, so the comma didn't apply to them. And I'm not talking about nobody or beating nobody down, because the truth be told, uh, anybody is subject to go through hell and high water and tough situations and circumstances. But what's awesome about the God that we serve, he says, I'm not just going to give you some money. I'm going to make sure that you've also got some joy to go along with it. I'm going to make sure you got some peace to go along with it. What good is having a lot of money and you're crazy? What good is having a lot of money and your kids are Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger and Jason? Now, now, talking about money can be taboo for some because of their better, uh, pedigree. Some people were taught uh, 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 that uh, if you have lack, that means you're spiritual. Some people were taught that money is the root of all evil. Some people were taught that faith and finances don't go together. Some people were taught that money was everything. And all those thoughts made, uh, that you've been taught were wrong. Say, all of those are wrong. Now, now, I want you to make money moves today. I told you this morning, literally, I, was in, I had it all planned out what I was going to say. And this morning when I was in the shower, the Lord said, don't say none of that. Say this. I said, all right, cool. He said, because son, he said, you're going to raise up a people, watch this, that in their finances, they're not just going to talk about me. They're going to show me. All right, I'll say it again. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have some pastors connected to you that in their finances, they're going to be able to show that the God that we serve, the blessing of the Lord makes us rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Say, I'm one of them. Now, now, to help you make money moves, there are a few things we need to evolve your vision about so that you see money properly so you can manage it properly and make money moves. Say, I'm making money moves. Now, Proverbs 29, 18, you're probably familiar with this scripture. It says that where there is no vision, people perish. So where there is no uh, uh, revelation, people cast off restraint. Now, check this out. Uh, in other words, say where. Where deals with areas of your life. Where there is no revelation or vision. What does that mean, Bishop? It's the, oh, I get it. Have you ever had a, oh, I get it moment where something was right in front of you, but you didn't quite understand it, you didn't quite get it, and then all of a sudden, one day, you had your aha moment. When you had your aha moment, it was clear. Please understand, today is going to be your aha moment. Watch this, where there is no vision, which means, watch this, you can have an aha about being a good wife, but not have an aha about making money moves. You, you missed it. You can have great vision about how you want to see your children progress, but not have great vision about your finances. Well, today in this opening set or this morning session, what I have an assignment to do is to get you to get your where and your finances. This is the area that I'm assigned to deal with today. Say, I'm making money moves. Now, now, check this out. It says, where there is no redemptive revelation or vision, or the people perish, which means, watch this, you will live recklessly. You'll live irresponsibly. 
you'll live selfishly. And vision, the reason why it says revelation or vision, check this out, it's because it causes order. Uh, Vision defines where you're going, which simultaneously defines where you're not going. When I know that I'm headed here, I know that I'm not headed there. Uh, The issues you will sometimes run into is you got a lot of folk that can see, but they don't have vision. And so watch this. They keep calling stuff like it is instead of calling it what they want it to be. And the scripture says that we walk by faith and call things that be not as though they were. So the reason I needed you to say I'm rich is so you can hear yourself say I'm rich. So now you can get a vision in front of you that anything that comes your way that keeps you in lack or keeps you in bondage or keeps you in poverty, you can say that ain't where I'm headed. Slap the people high five say that ain't where I'm headed. That ain't where I'm headed. Now you're about to make some money moves. The people you were borrowing money from in 30 days, they're going to be coming to you. You better catch what I'm saying. I'm not just sitting up here just saying words. i got some prophecy to release into your life today. I came to bring you out of your lack, bring you out of your bondage, bring you out of your suffering, and get you into abundance. I want you to holler one time and say, I'm rich. So, so, so if, if vision brings order, it defines where we're going and also defines where we're not going. It defines what we're doing. It also defines what we're not doing. So here's what I need to do. I need to give you some vision about your finances. And if you're a pastor, a business owner, an entrepreneur, whoever you are, you've got to get some vision. Here's the danger. The danger is you may say, well, Bishop, I'm doing all right. And you think that's okay. God does not need you to do all right because if you're blessed to be a blessing, I don't need to be all right. I need to be in abundance. How can I be a blessing if I'm just trying to struggle to pay my own? You're not hearing what I'm saying. If all you have is enough is to handle your life, you are not walking in what God died for. He did not die for us to pay bills and die. He died so that we would be blessed to be a blessing, which means I got so much, I don't just got me covered. I don't just have my bloodline covered. Anything else that the church needs, I got that covered. I'm an advancement. I'm a tool of advancement. I'm not a reservoir. I'm a river. So first thing, first thing, first thing I need you to get, say lack is whack. Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord, this is Jesus speaking, and he's quoting the prophet Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Uh, The anointing uh, is the, right here refers to the anointed one, his anointing, uh, and his anointed. To preach the good news, that's the gospel, say good news. And who's the first group of people he said he came to preach it to? To the what? Poor. Now watch this, watch this, here's the truth, you're not poor. All right, now, now you just need to know that. You need to know that. But, but watch this. Here's what that word poor means in the Greek language of our New Testament. It means lacking anything. So heaven defines poor differently than we do. We often define poor people begging on the street. Heaven defines poor as why do you have lack? And the first thing he said is he says, I came to give some good news to those that are lacking. Well, what's the good news to somebody that's lacking? You don't have to lack anymore. Somebody said, that's good news to me. He has sent me to announce the release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed. That means those that are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. Now, look at me. Jesus said, I came to give good news to people that have lack. And the good news is that lack is whack. Whack is an urban colloquialism means uh, that it's not favorable. Now, say, I'm not supposed to have lack. Now, I need to say again, I am not supposed to have lack. 
Say it again. I am not supposed to have lack. Say, that's not my portion. That's not my life. That season has ended. I'm talking to a pastor where you said, I do more if I have more. That means there's lack, and that lack is whack, and it's got to go. You cannot cast out of your life what you give consent to remain in your life. It's time to cast lack out of your life. Now, now, Ephesians 3.20, you know this. It says, uh, you should know this. If you don't, just pretend like you know it. Your neighbor probably knows it. It, it. it says this. It says, now unto him. Who is what? Able. To do what? Uh-huh. 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 Lead that verse up for a minute. Can, can I just, because again, I, I, it's Moses. So I, I, I really just want to teach this morning. I'll preach at some other point in the conference. But I just need to teach because I need, watch this. I am determined to raise up a people where there's none feeble among them. I am determined to raise up a people to where when we say we want to go do this, folks are running to all this and say, no, I got it. No, I got it. No, I got it. No, I got it. I'm determined to raise up a people that when they walk into the dealership and the dealer says, well, how do you want to fin- finance it? I don't use banks, baby. I, what? That when they want to go get the house, they walk up and say, well, now, do you have a mortgage broker? Yeah, I do. It's me. I'm going to write a check for it. <laughs> Ephesians 3.20. Now to him. Who is able. Able doesn't mean that he will. It just means that he can. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. What's the last part of the verse? According to the power that works in us. Power is the word dunamis. Dunamis has several different meanings. In other words, he says, your, watch this, above and exceeding is directly connected to what you can get on the inside. In other words, prosperity is an inside job. You keep worrying about keeping up appearances, not understanding, baby, it's got to start in here before you're ever going to see it out there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Touch your neighbor, say, I declare dead freedom to your life. See, why do you keep saying stuff like this, Bishop? So you get it in here. And when you get it in here, he says, I, now watch this. I'm going to do exceedingly and abundantly what you asked or thought for. But it's got to start working in here first. Uh, just lay your hands on yourself. Say, so you're a debt-free person. Say, so you're making money moves. Say, so there's power working in here. You ain't asking nobody. You're not begging nobody. You're the lender, not the bar. The head, not the tail. Above, never beneath. Say, let it work in here first. Uh, you only saying it like you mean it. Say, let it work in here first. Now, now, now. So lack is whack. Second thing you need to go. I'm giving you vision so that you have order. Is you need to understand that. Say, God wants me to prosper. Now, again, I know a lot of church folk, depending on your background, you may, this may be really radical uh, to you because, because you were taught that, you know, well, you just need to suffer through and all of that. Well, why don't they tell that to McDonald's? Why don't they tell that to corporations? Why don't they tell that to nobody else? You know why? Because nobody believes that crap. 
It's just a way to keep Christians on the plantation and keep Christians in Egypt so that Christians can't run nothing. You're not a powerful Christian just because you do an anti-this rally and an anti-that rally. You're a powerful Christian when you can sit up and say, listen, if you don't follow what we say, we're going to defund you. Say, God wants me to prosper. Psalm 3527. Well, I, well, I said, some of y'all, you're, you're, th- those shackles are coming off because you watch, watch this. You've been in generational broke. You've been in generational poverty. Your mama was like that. Your daddy was like that. His daddy was like that. Her mama was like that. Well, you are the curse. I feel it here. You are the curse breaker in your bloodline. You are the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. Man of God, pastor, the reason he's using you now is because he needs them to see somebody to break it so they'll have permission to do it themselves. Say, God wants me to prosper. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure, read it. Read it like an army. No, so in other words, God says, I get happy. Notice what he didn't say. He, He didn't just say my people. He said, in my servants. So watch this. Prosperity don't belong to everybody that's a Christian. Prosperity belongs to this group of people he's talking to right through here. You ain't got to like it. It's what it says anyhow. It's what it says anyhow. And the Bible says it makes him happy. So check this out. What parent would not want their child to do well? God says, I love you so much, I want to see you do so well that when I look at you, I just, I want you to slap your neighbor high five, say, I want to make him smile. I want, I want to do so well that when he's talking to the angels, he said, did you see what Foreman just did? I want to do so well, he'll be able to say, did you see what Barnes just did? Did you see, I'm not talking, did you see what? I... Watch. The, 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 the antonym or the opposite of delight is dislike. Okay, so in other words, he dislikes the lack of prosperity. Now, I need you to hear me. Say, say, say prosperity. Prosperity is greater than money. So let's remember where we started. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and he adds no sorrow. Check it out. So prosperity is greater than money. But money is a big part of prosperity. Did, did, y'all, did y'all track with that? Now, uh, the word prosperity here is the word we use often, shalom. Say shalom. It means safety, favor, health, whole, and you know it, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. God says, I am delighted when nothing is missing, nothing is broken, nothing is lacking, all is well. Which means your stress is actually offensive to God. You sitting up looking at your bank account talking about how I'm going to get it done actually offends God because he says, I'm happy when you ain't stressed. I'm happy when you can just say, just here it go. You here? I'm showing us vision so we can get this, whether you're a pastor or business owner or whatever. Say, I'm making money moves. Now, now that word servant there is this word bond servant, which means, watch this, it means one that was loosed from serving that returned to serve Here's what he says. They didn't serve me because they have to. They serve me because they want to. 
Well, watch this. A lot of the times in life, especially when you're going through challenges, you can deal with issues where sometimes you're doing things for God out of obligation and not out of desire. God says, I reserve prosperity for those who serve me out of desire, not just out of obligation. Okay, watch this. Now, why are you starting with this, Bishop? You ain't talking about money yet. Right, because remember, it's an inside job first. The power has to be working in me before I'm going to see the results around me. If you're a pastor, it's got to be working in you before you see the results around you. If you're a business owner, it's got to be working in you before you see it around you. Now, now, now say God wants me to prosper. Okay, now, now watch this. Watch this. Third thing, I need to bring clarity and vision on, and then we're going to make the money moves. Is prosperity starts in the soul. We've already established this, but I want to take it another further because I don't just want you to be encouraged and inspired. I need you to be informed because I'm going to give you some instructions at the end of this. And, and, and then watch this. He opened yesterday saying uh, that when the man of God blessed him, that's what gave him permission to do this, that and the other. You understand? Okay. Well, there's something that rests on me. Well, well, watch this. I want that to transfer to you. You sit there and look at me however you want it. If I was you, I'd want that. You live differently when you, all, when you ain't got to walk in there talking about, ooh, I hope, I wish I could. Oh, no, you walk differently when you can walk in there and say, I want that, 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 and that, and that's what I want to happen, and that's what I want to happen now. Yeah. Prosperity starts in the soul. 3 John 1, 2. Say, I'm making money moves. I'm making money moves. Say, I'm rich. I'm rich. I have no lack. I have no lack. <laughs> 3 John 1, 2. Again, we're dealing with money this morning, all right? Y'all got it? 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you would prosper. Somebody said, it's not dirty. Mm, it's not dirty word. Uh, prosper there uh, has a more specific meaning in Greek. It means success in your business. This is what it means in Greek. You can go look it up. Success in your finances. To be profitable and be on the right path. That's what it means right there. He says, I want you to have success in your business, career, whatever you set your hands to. Then he says, I want you to have success in your finances. Then he says, I want you to be profitable. What is profit? See, you can have millions of dollars come in, but if you have millions of dollars going out, you weren't profitable. Profit means after I paid everybody and everything, it's some more. <laughs> in other words God says I don't just want you to have enough to pay who you owe he says at the end of the day I want you to be profitable meaning you're not in the red but you are in the black I need you to lay your hands on yourself again and say in the black say everything about you in the black he says beloved I pray above all that you would prosper in all things how many things so there should be nothing about you that isn't profitable. Oh, I'm going to get it done today. I don't know who coming with me, but I'm getting it done today. There should be nothing about your life that's not profitable. He says, and be in health just as your soul prospers. And this is the issue right now. Because he says, just as, that's a mathematical equation, meaning you will prosper equal to your soul. Your soul is your mind, thoughts, will, which means if you're an emotional spender, that means you lack soul prosperity, which means you will lack financial prosperity. 
Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. I'm trying not to preach. I'm just trying to just teach with a little holler. But watch. But watch. He says that you prosper, profitable, success. In what? All things just as equal to your soul, mind, thoughts, so will, emotions. That's why I started setting us up for the proper mentality. Because watch this. Some people, when you get money, because watch this, you don't have the right mentality. You think, I got it. I'm supposed to just spend it all. And the government depends on you doing that. And businesses depend on you doing that. Okay, y'all don't, don't look at me like that. They're counting on you to get your income tax refund and go buy new furniture and go get new cars and all that. They're counting on you to do that. Why? Because they said their soul doesn't get it. They're counting on church folk just shouting all night, but not being able to go out and run nothing because they don't have money. And I'm here to tell you, I refuse to be a man of God that leads a movement where all we do is shout, but ain't got nothing to show. And I refuse to be a leader where all we do is have rhetoric, but we do not have results. Your life grows wherever your soul goes. Say again. Your life grows wherever your soul goes. So let's grow your soul for a few moments so you can make some money moves. I already said this to you. I'm like Moses this morning to bring you out of an Egypt in your finances into a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, everybody's got different financial scenarios. Everybody's got different financial backgrounds. So I don't presuppose, uh, especially if you've been uh, sitting under me for any amount of time, your finances all be pretty good. All right, all right. So, but everybody's got different scenarios. And so, because everybody's got different scenarios, if you're doing good, we got to go to great. I hear what I'm saying? All right. And, and if you if you like Bishop, it's a little below good. Well, we're going to get you, we're going to skip good and just take you to great. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. Now, so let's make money moves. All right, so let's change how you view money. Let's change how you view money. First thing, somebody say, what is money, Bishop? Ecclesiastes 10, 19. The feast is made for laughter, and wine makes merry, but money answers all things. Money answers, New King James says, everything. King Solomon throws that in while speaking about something else, but its profundity isn't diluted. Money is fuel. And the reason many people lack it is because they don't know where they're going, so they don't need gas anyhow. What good is it having gas and you have no clue where you're going anyhow? Money is a tool. Say it's a tool. Money is a resource, not your source. So it's an answer. It's fuel. It's a tool. It's a resource. You've got to look at money not, not as, for many people, money becomes the goal. Money is not the goal. Money is the gateway. Life feels better. When you're not frustrated by your finances. I think I got some witnesses in here. Life feels better when you ain't got to wake up, talk, be stressed out and worried and all that. Life feels better when you can say, I'm going here. Why? Because I want to. Now, say your name. Say you're making money moves. Uh -huh. Say you're rich. If you, love every, if you love money, now I, I want to do this. If you love money, because, because the scripture people say this, uh, uh, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. I think the lack of money is the root of all evil. 
That's not what the scripture says. Number one, number two, think about it. When people lack money, what do they do? Crazy stuff. You got it? They'll sell drugs. They'll sell, you know, other stuff. Because they lack money. Now, just to be clear, 1 Timothy 16, it says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, now, now take this, I, I need to deal with this real quickly because I need you to see how powerful money is. Say it's powerful. If you love money, every decision you make will be based on you getting all the money you can and canning all the money you get. But you got to understand this. It, it's actually Satan that wants Christians poor and consequently the church poor because then we can't answer anything. If the Bible says money's an answer, well, then how do you answer problems? Money. When, when, you, when you understand the way the world works, you realize that everything is driven by financial decisions. E even down to what we eat, it's driven by financial decisions. To the products that are pushed to you, it's financial decisions. The way they do agriculture, financial decisions. Everything about our earth, everything about our world system now is driven by money. You may think it's driven by this, that, or the other, but the reality is it's driven by money. The meat they put on the shelf is driven by money. The restaurant you go eat at after today's session is driven by money. Uh, the buildings that are where they are are driven by money. Why in the world do you think certain buildings are in certain neighborhoods and certain liquor stores and certain neighborhoods and certain this, that, and the other? It's because it's all driven by money. So the enemy wants Christians to be in lack so that we can't be the answer. But you're going to be the answer anyhow. Now, Matthew 6, 24, I want you to see this scripture. I want you to see how important money is. No one can serve, this is Jesus speaking, two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is not money. Mammon is the love of money. I need you to see what Jesus just did. Put, leave the verse up for just a moment. Are y'all learning? All right, good. I just got to expand your mentality. I don't endeavor to preach today. I endeavor to uh, get you uh, out of whatever type of financial Egypt you may have been in. So if you were 100,000 there, it's time to come up to the seven-figure level. Come on up here. You'll get that in a minute. Come on up here. If you're at the $10,000 level, it's time to come on up. If you're at the $100 level, it's time to come on up. If you're at the $5 level, it's time to come on up. What I love about it is Jesus says, I came to preach to them. No one can serve two masters. Look what Jesus says. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. Look what Jesus says. You cannot serve. So now we see the connection back to the prosperity of his servant. God and love your money. Notice he didn't conflate himself or compare himself to Satan. He conflated or compared himself to the love of money. For most people, the issue is not them loving God versus the enemy. The issue is them loving God and loving their money. God placed money on the same level as himself. Which means he says this. He says, I don't mind you having money. Don't let money have you. Now, this is important to understand because we're talking about making money moves and all that. And I got to make sure we got the right mentality. Y'all with me morning session? 
I got to make sure we got the right mentality about this because if you just try to can all you get and get all you can and all that, you will misunderstand the entirety of it, which is why the scripture says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. What is he saying? He's saying they didn't understand that it's got to start with my blessing first. It's got to start with my purpose first. It's got to start with me first. Now, say I should have money, but money shouldn't have me. Best example of this is Jesus. Jesus wasn't poor. In fact, Jesus did so well in business as a carpenter, tecton in the Greek, or builder, and we learned that from Mark 6 and 3, that at age 30, he was able to go into full-time ministry and hire 12 guys full-time. He did so well in finances, so well in business, that at 30, he could walk away from his business and focus on building his ministry. Say, Jesus was not poor. This is important to understand because mainstream America, if you ever have a pastor telling people they're supposed to have something, mainstream America will say, well, what about Jesus? And that's because they ain't read the Bible. Because if you read this book, you discover Jesus wasn't lacking. Jesus wasn't. Now, now stick with me. Just stick with me. In John 1, 38 through 39, it shows us that Jesus had a house. Jesus has a house. And Jesus does so well in business that at age 30, he can walk away from his business and hire 12 full-time guys. And evidently, the the package was good enough to where they were able to walk away from their businesses to come build his thing. Are y'all still here? All right, now now watch this. I need you to send this. Now watch this. It, It suggests that the house was large enough that Jesus was able to allow some of his early staff to stay with him for a little while. You still here? I'm changing your mentality. That's what I'm doing. I'm you, I know you want to shout and all that, and that's good, but, I, but I, I want you to show something too. All right. In John 12, 8, Jesus says, For the poor you will have which you always, but me, you do not have which you always. If Jesus was poor, why does he make a distinction? For the poor, you have what you always. But me, y'all missed it. The poor, you have what you always. What does poor mean? Lacking. People with lack will always be around, Jesus said. He says, but me. Well, if he says, but me, what was he saying? I don't have no lack. Why? Lack is whack. Y'all still here. Notice he didn't include himself in that category. I'm just changing your mentality about money. In Matthew 27, 35 and John 19, 23, uh, the scripture teaches us that Jesus' clothes were so nice that once they crucified him, they cast lots to see who would get them. Matthew 27, 35 and and John 19, 23. I'm teaching it. We're going to shout in a minute. I promise you. I just need to make sure you get some information. I, I need you to get it. Because I don't know about you, I, I, don't, I, I don't need, I'm just not into the reason we don't, we haven't done a whole lot of conference, because I'm not just into the whole conference thing where you just shout, and that's good, and scream and holler, and those are good things, we need to do that, we need to create atmosphere, but then leave and nothing's different. It is information that is going to bring manifestation. Somebody say, things are changing for me. Say, they're improving for me. Say, they're getting better for me. John 12, 6, so, so Jesus, Jesus, watch this, he looked good. Jesus did well. Are you hearing me? 
Why do you think those guys would just follow him like that? Well, because he was a rabbi. There were tons of rabbis around in that day. He was a prophet. There were tons of prophets around in that day. Why do you think they followed him? They followed him because when they looked at him, they said, he got something. And there's something on him we won't on us. It's very, very simple. Why do you think rappers rap around bling blinging and all that? Why? Because that looks attractive. I want a gold chain. I want a necklace too. Are you here? All right, let me just lay the foundation. Watch this. John 12, 6 suggests that Jesus' ministry did so well financially that uh, one of his 12 key leaders, who was Judas, his full-time job was to manage the money. Look at it. This he said, not that he cared for the poor. This is, this is John, the beloved disciple and apostle, talking about Judas, one of his brothers. But he was like, you ever had somebody where you're like, I didn't know they ain't about nothing. When John is writing, John is writing that way because he writes his gospel much later than the others do. And when he writes about it, he's putting all this extra stuff in there that the others don't say. So he's like, Judas didn't say that because he cared for the poor. Now, Judas wasn't or John wasn't thinking that literally at that time. When John looks back over it, he's like, I know that dude didn't care for the poor. He said that because he was a thief. And he had the what? It's on the screen. And he had the what? Okay. What does money box mean? The money. Jesus had one guy whose job was to count the money. You don't need a CFO to count pennies. What are you trying to say, Bishop? Jesus was doing well. That's part of why they hated him. They couldn't figure out how he started at the bottom. How is he born in a manger and all of a sudden he's come up? And I came to tell somebody today, I don't care where you started, but you have stepped into a season of your come up. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you've been, man of God, where you've been, woman of God. You are increasing. Say, I'm increasing. That's really why they hated him. They hated him because they said this guy started with nothing. And now he's doing well. And watch this. And he didn't have to come through us to do it. You're getting ready. I'm prophesying now. You're getting ready to stand in the faces of those that would not support, of those that would not help, pastors of those that would not contribute, of those that would not give. And God's going to do it in their face anyhow. If you believe that, give them a praise right through there. Well, I says, I says, let me, let me change our mentality about this. Finally, 2 Corinthians 8 9, it says that we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. You can't become something unless you were something different before that. So, so let's just look at the verse. Real simple here. Real, real simple. Real simple. You see that? For the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Though he was what? For your sakes he became. That you, through his poverty, through his lack, might become rich. This has a dual meaning here, both spiritually and naturally. Now, now I need you to understand this. Say, I am not supposed to lack. Now, here's what somebody will say. Well, Bishop, what about... What about, you know, people who've been dealt a bad hand? Where have you been the last 20 minutes? 
What, what about people who, who are in cities where it's difficult to build a church and, and, and it's difficult to get people to give? Where you been the last 20 minutes? The book says, the book says that it is the blessing of the Lord, which means you can be in an area where it ain't supposed to happen. But when the blessing of the Lord is upon you, he'll make you prosper right in the middle of a desert. He'll cause you to do well right in the middle of where it should not be done. Are you hearing me? Now, 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 lay your hands on yourself. Say, God wants you to prosper. Say, I was built to prosper, to do well. I was made for that. Blessed to be a blessing. So, so I need to make sure, I need to make sure this. So, have I, have I shifted our mentality? Okay, does everybody get this? Does everybody see this from the scriptures? There's, I, could t- I could spend hours on this, but I don't have hours, and I'm not spending hours because that's enough. You got what you need. But I want to make sure we get this because watch this. It's very important. Even pastors, men of God, it's very important that we understand this because if we don't understand this, we will teach poverty. When somebody says, watch this. There, there was a, a, now, now I think I might preach for about 75 seconds. There, there was a woman, there was a woman who was a widow, and the scripture says that Jesus sat back watching the treasury, watching when it was offering time. And the Bible says that this widow gave a mite, a mite is a half of a penny. And Jesus, watched this, he was watching her offering. Notice what he didn't say. Well, baby, I know you don't have it, so keep it. He didn't say that to her because he said, if I teach her not to give, I'm teaching her to stay in poverty. If I teach her not to sow, I'm teaching her to stay in life. And so I've got to teach her, watch this, that it is through her giving that she increases. And so Jesus, watch this, he says, I need to make sure I'm leading a people that do not think it's okay not to have. That it's okay to beg and borrow. That may be where you were yesterday. But baby, we just stepped out of one season and stepped into another. And if you believe that, put a praise on that. We cannot teach poverty to people and make them think it's godly. It's not. We cannot teach poverty to people and make them think it's spiritual. It's not. Well, Bishop, don't you go through valleys? Yes, but there's a way up out of them. Are you still here? Say, let's make money moves. All right, so let's make them. All right, now, I set you up there. Now, I want to make sure you get some information. All right, and then I got a shout at the end. Now, first thing, say money moves. First, follow instructions. I want to show you something about money. I want to show you something about the scriptures. Joshua 1.8. You hear? All right, now, now, uh, at the beginning of this year, I declared that everybody connected to us at Harvest they would be debt free. That was the Lord's declaration. It's already happening. Just them praise reports they put up there. I, I, I hope you listen to that and realize when they say yours will be next. Th- this ain't just talk. This ain't just hype. This ain't just a shout and a spin. This is real. Somebody say this is real. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way, huh? And then you will have, leave the verse up for a moment. It says, watch this, follow the instructions. When? Day and night. Say all day? day. Every day. day. All right, so so let me help you understand the first money moves you got to make. You follow instructions. 
Now, I know that sounds like, okay, Bishop, that's pretty simple. I know it's not deep. I know it's not. Because we often, our issue isn't that we mess up the deep stuff. Our issue is that we overcomplicate the simple stuff. God tells Joshua after Moses has died, he says, listen, listen, Joshua. He says, this book of the law that you got from Moses shall not depart from your mouth. He said, keep speaking it. Say, I got to speak it. He says, and you shall meditate on it day and night. He says, you got to speak it. He said, then you got to think it. Say, think it. Meditation is nothing more than focused thinking that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Now, now he says, you need to do it all. Say all. all. The issue many Christians have is they do some. And I'm going to explain to you in just a moment. He says, then. Say then. So this is an if-then type of scenario. He says, if you do this, then you, watch this, you will make your way prosperous. So, 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 Bishop, what are you trying to say? It's not that God's just going, you know, you just, you know, you know, just going, just, just, you know, drop money. Now he can do that. And I'm a living witness. He will do that. Money chases me. I'm just telling you the truth. It chases me. People chase me down to get me stuff. And from this day forward, they're going to chase you down. To give you stuff. He says, you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have what? Good success. Now, 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 please understand. God tied Joshua's prosperity to his ability to follow instructions. Okay, now, I need you to get this. I need you to get this. What instructions have you heard but you've not heeded? Luke 8, 18. Stick, stick with me. Stick with me. We're getting to the money move in a minute. Just need you to see the importance of the instructions. Especially leaders. Leaders, sometimes the thought is, I know that. And, and, and that's good that we know it, but leaders, our challenge is to do what we know. The same stuff we preach to people is the same stuff we got to do. So I don't just preach giving, I live giving. So when the man of God got ready to do an offering, I had my phone, if you paid attention to me, I had my phone open and ready because I said, just give me the number. Why? I'm not going to sit up here and fight with God over no money. He's been too good to me. He's made too many ways for me. So give me the number so I can put it in the ground. And if you don't give me a number, I'm going to get a big number. Why? Because I expect a big harvest. It's just that simple. Luke 8, 18. It says, it says this. It says, therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Look, look at this verse. He says, pay attention to how you listen. Whoever has is going to be given more. What's the inference? Because he listens. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Why? He doesn't listen. If you've ever led people, and to all of our men of God and pastors and leaders, if you've ever led people, one of your greatest frustrations can be that you are teaching, you're talking, investing, and parting. And then people will get up right after church and go do everything different than what you said. And then come to you and say, I can't believe what's going on. Pastor, pray for me. And you're saying, did you listen to what I said? Here's the inference. The inference is this. The inference is, had you listened, you wouldn't be in that situation. 
God tells Joshua, he says, Joshua, if you listen, you're going to make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Touch your neighbor so you got to listen. How well do you follow instructions in every area of your life? Now, I'm going to get real practical in here in a minute, and then, then we're going to shout, all right? All right, because I can tell you already. Some of you are like, this is good, Bishop. I'm ready to shout. I'm, I'm, I got that. Got it? But I want you to be able to shout with no depth. You're going to shout different then. You, you ain't going to be keeping one spot. You're going to be like, you're going to have a whole nother shout. Touch your neighbor and say, my praise is about to change because my position is about to change. Jeremiah 23, 4. So, so this is the first money move, following instructions. Jeremiah 23, 4. God said, I will set up shepherds, leaders over them, who will feed them, teach them, lead them, coach them, instruct them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, stressed. Uh, and the dismay there means stressed, discouraged, beaten down, broken down. What's that last one? Nor shall they be lacking. What did we discover lack means in the scripture? Poor. I will set up a leader over them who's going to give them something to eat. What's the inference? And if they follow that, if they follow those instructions, they'll fear no more. They won't have dismay. That's to be stressed, discouraged, beaten down, broken down. Nor shall they be lacking. In other words, he says they won't be poor no more. But notice he connected it to instructions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said he connected it to instructions. All right, so the first money move is follow instructions. You ready? All right, now, so here's the, here's the second money move. So here's the instruction. Fix your stewardship. Fix your stewardship, all right? You don't need more finances if you're a bad steward over the finances you have. You just need to steward what you have better. Where's your budget? Do you treat what you have like it's the best? I wrote a book on the subject, <coughs> and it's amazing to me to see the number of prayer requests that often come in regarding finances compared to the number of people who have the book. So I can, watch this, I can track the correlation between poverty and instructions that haven't been followed. It's quiet right through here. Now, 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 now check this, check, say stewardship. That means management. You're a money manager. The money really isn't yours. The scripture says all the gold is his, all the silver is his, the cattle on a thousand hills. The money is his. You are a steward. You are a manager of it. I know, again, we're just, I'm just teaching for a moment, so just stick with me. You know, with me? All right. He says, uh, now, having finances uh, and resources, it means you've got to manage those resources well. Romans 2.18, and know his will and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law. In other words, he says, anything that's not excellent about your finances, he says, then you need to disapprove that. He says, only approve the things that are what? Excellent, which means by default, that means we need to disapprove the things that are not. Question, how do you manage the resources you have? Or are you just complaining, wishing you had more? Okay, so now let me get real, real practical. Say, get real practical, Bishop. Okay, because I know you just want to hear the Lord's going to do it. I know that's what, I know, I know that's what you want to hear. I know you want to hear that, that uh, and I got something for you in a minute, but, but I got to make sure that once he brings you out of debt, you don't get back in it. That once you go from being the borrower to the lender, that, uh, uh, that, that, that you don't reverse that polarity. All right, so, so let me make it very clear. Say, so how do I steward my finances, Bishop? 
This stuff they don't teach in church, right? So here's the first thing. You need to track your money. You need to track your money. You got to track it. Uh, he said, Bishop, well, how do I track it? I got this envelope. Child, throw that thing away. You got a phone. You need an app. There are several apps. I'm going to tell you the one I personally use. It's called Mint.com. It's free. F-R-E-E. Mint.com. I-N-M-I-N-T dot C-O-M. You can track your money. What Mint will do, and just so you know, I don't get any, you know, um, kickback or anything like that from recommending them. I should have set it up, though. Now, 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 but watch this. Watch this. You got to track your money. What Mint does is it puts all of your accounts, all your money in one place, and then every day it's going to update everything, and you can see all of your finances in one place. What if you thought you had less than you actually do? But you don't know. You're just going off of a feeling, a wish, a hope. Second thing, once tracked, I'm teaching you how to manage money. Once tracked, you need to see what you need to reduce. Watch this. Watch the second word. And what you need to refi. Okay? Refi means refinance. Some of you were Fannie Mae and, uh, I mean, were Sally Mae and all, you know, where them student loans are killing you. And you sitting here just complaining and whining. They got refinance programs where you can cut that down. Why? You cut a lower payment. Once you get a lower payment, now you can pay more down. You can pay them off more quickly. And that's until they cancel it. Because our God is a supernatural God. And Deuteronomy says that at the end of every seven years, you got to grant a release of debts. You pay it until they cancel it. So you don't owe us no more. Are you here? You got to track it. Once tracked, you need to see what you need to refi and reduce. Refi. The thing, uh, you, perhaps your mortgage, you need to look at that. Uh, perhaps your, and, 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 and here's the deal. Here, here's, here's, here's the deal. Please hear me really good. I've heard a lot of nice people say stupid stuff when it comes to this subject. So can I teach you the, the stuff that... Um, Different figure people use. All right, all right, all right, because all right. I, I want you to walk out there with some practical stuff you can do after church. Not just say, ooh, child, church was good. But you'll be able to come back tonight with a praise report. In fact, I prophesy right now that while you're here today, somebody in this experience this morning, is going. by the time you go check your mail, you're going to experience a supernatural debt cancellation by the time you get here tonight. I'm not lying. I'm prophesying. If you think that might be you, you ought to sail that with a praise. I said you ought to seal that with a praise. Now, let me get to you. Let me get to you. Let me get to you because I'm over time. Let me get to you. Let me get to you. So you need to see what you need to refine, what you need to reduce. Now, now check this out. Um, when it comes to refinancing, now, again, I don't want to get into a whole lot uh, uh, in terms of, of the nitty-gritty of that. But when it comes into that, you need to look at making sure you've got the best possible mortgage if you have a mortgage. You need to make sure you have the best possible car loan if you have a car. If you have insurance, you need to make sure you have the best possible insurance. Well, I've been with them for 20 years. To heck with that. You need to make sure that's the best price. I remember one year my insurance agency said, Bishop, this is the new price. I said, well, baby, that's too high. You're going to need to do something about that. And she says, well, that's what it is. I said, well, it's been nice knowing you all these years, but it's time me to go take. I said, this is business, baby. This ain't personal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Okay, okay, all right. You need to make sure you've got the best possible scenario for anything that you have financed. Got it? The best. Say the best. Now, now please understand. A lot of the times, there's very well-meaning people who say things that are not wise financially. Let me give you two examples of it. One, in purchasing a car. Let me tell you something. Rich people do not put money down on cars. Okay? All right, now, now, now let me help you understand this, okay? Because you were probably brought up with, with most people. Most people are taught a poverty mentality about this. A poverty mentality. Just, just listen. Can you listen for a second? Because some of y'all right now, you're like, no, nah, Bishop, Mama said I got to put, I got to put $2,000 down on the car so that'll lower the payment. Are you buying a payment or a car? Okay? Well, if I put $2,000 down, it's going to cut my payment by $20. You're only going to keep that car for a year and a half, two years. So if you do the math, that $2,000 was better with you than it was with the bank. You're not buying a payment. You're buying a car. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay? When it comes to a mortgage, a lot of people, please understand, you do not own the house. <laughs> now, they tell you that. They tell you that, okay? That, I, I, that, that was where, that was where I, I started my first business when I was 12. By the time I was 21, I built a multi-million dollar real estate finance business. And so the reality is, is that that's what I used to do. I used to help people achieve the American dream. I got them the money. I was the money man. You understand? If they needed money, they came to see me. And, you know, at one point I set my office up like the mob. I was, you know, I had my office up like, so tell me what you need. What do you need? No, I'm just joking. Just joking. Now, th that's what they came to me for. So check this out. Hear me. A lot of people say, well, you know, it, 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 we want to put as much as we can into a home because, you know, we want to get a low, 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 low payment. You're not buying a payment, folks. Your goal is to really, most people don't stay in their home long, long enough to where they actually keep their home. For most people aren't staying in the house for 30 years no more. So, so you, watch this, you engaging in a financial transaction as if it's a buy and hold is an unwise strategy. It's a buy and sell, which means my goal is to only, watch this, is to put as little as I can in so that, watch this, I keep as much of my capital with me as possible so then that way when I'm out of here in five or ten years, I've maximized the equity, I've maximized the value because the reality is I don't own the house. The only thing I kind of own is the equity. And that's only if I have the ability to extract it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, you got to get out of this mentality that many people grew up with because for many people, American dream, they said, well, you got to own a home, and that's great. I said, you got to own a home, and when you own a home, you got to do all of these things, and you got to do all of that, and when you do all of that, you get this house, then all of a sudden now, you know, th this is the American dream. And the reality is, as we saw in the last great financial collapse that dealt with the mortgage industry, it hit, it hit Wall Street 07, 08. It hit the secondary market. That's where everything begins. It hit that in 05, 06. It takes about two years for it to finally hit the market, for the market to reset and recapitalize. Are you still with me? So what ended up happening is that people who invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into a house, their equity was wiped out. Because they, they did not have the proper strategy when they went in to buy it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, so let me just, just get back to the subject. I, I, want, I want you to understand that. So next time they say, well, how much money you want to put down? None. Well, you'll get a lower payment. I'm not buying a payment, sir. I'm, I'm purchasing a vehicle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your money is better with you than it is with the bank. And watch this. There, there's in sales. Can I just take you another further? In sales, there's a sales technique, especially for car salesmen. They call it four corners. What Four Corners is, is they come back with one offer that's just stupid. 
You know, they're going to have you paying $60,000 for a $24,000 car. They then added every kind of bell and whistle and thing. Then you counter them. So that's the second corner. And then they come back and say, okay, here's what the bank said. And let me tell you, can I, can I give you a secret? You say, show it to me. Show me a copy of the approval that you have. And here's what they're going to say. Well, we can't show that. That's an internal document. Then what you need to say is, but I bet you the guy next door can show it to me. Deuces. When you're going in and negotiating, you negotiate from a position of strength, which means I want to see what they've approved of that. I want to see if there's any markup in the interest rate. I want to see, because watch this, contrary to popular belief, unless you're dealing with certain second uh, 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 subprime banks, most financial institutions, they're not the ones asking for the down payment. It is the dealership that receives the down payment. Have you ever noticed how you write the check to them? Okay, all right, I guess this is too much. Let me. Pastors, if you're negotiating on a lease for your space, and they say, well, we need you to personally guarantee it, your response has to be, I don't personally guarantee stuff. I don't do that. What, what, do you, what is a personal guarantee? Can I just take a few minutes right through here? A personal guarantee says that what I am doing is designed to, uh, 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 if something goes wrong with the business aspect, I'm personally liable for it. And personal guarantees will mess you up every single time because the reality is, is you're putting yourself on the line for something that an organization needs to be on the line for. So pastors, when you're negotiating deals, you don't go in uh, talking about, well, I'm a person guarantee this. We're going to put up this much. No, the goal is I want to put as little in as I can and maximize what I get. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Okay. You have to take a mentality. Watch this because here's how most people think. If you get approved, child, I got approved. What a blessing. Thank God for that. But you need to change your mentality. They're not doing you a favor. You're paying for a service. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? When we negotiated on, on this particular on this particular campus, when we negotiated on it, they said, we've never had a negotiation like this. I said, well, you ain't never met a man like me. I don't care what so-and-so will do. We're paying you for a service. And either you come correct or I'll go somewhere else. You ain't holding me hostage. Somebody said, let's make money moves. All right, once track, you need to see what you can refine and reduce. All right, I kind of digress. What you can refine and what you can reduce. What can be changed and then what you, what you can reduce. But you don't know what you can reduce if you don't know what you're spending. Okay? And so, so you need to know what's coming in, what's going out, so you can see what you can reduce. Most people, the immediate errors you can reduce are for expenditures you don't really use. How many people you have cable? You have regular cable TV. Okay, that's not mo many anymore. All right? Here's the reality. Do you even use it? You have purchased... Four million channels, and you watch three. All right, all right. There's lots of things we do that we can reduce we don't actually need. You need to look at your finances and say, what can I cut? You need to be a business owner. That's how a chief executive thinks. A chief executive looks at the bottom line. They're not meeting with the workers. They're just looking at the numbers. And they're saying, well, that's too much over here. Cut that. Well, what about the people? Listen, my job is not to worry about feelings. My job is to protect the bottom line. You have to do the same thing with your finances as a pastor, as a leader, executive, entrepreneur, individual. you got to look at it like you're a business owner and say, that needs to be cut. A lot of the eating we do. Now, there's some exceptions. If you're a single person, it might actually be cheaper for you to eat out. Praise him. 
Uh, if you are not, the reality is, is you need to look at the eating that you're doing and say, okay, where can we, where can we make some cuts? Where can we make some changes? You got to look at what you're spending and you got to say, what can be reduced? What can be cut? So track it. Then you got to refine, reduce. Now, here's the next thing. This is going to sound almost crazy, but I'm going to tell you why it's an important thing. Y'all still with me? I'm going to shout you in a minute. Uh, you you got to do this. Now, say credit card. Now, most people have been taught that credit cards are the devil. They're the enemy. Some could be. But watch this. You should have at least one that's got some rewards and perks with it. Some travel rewards. Let me tell you something. I haven't paid for my own travel in years. My rewards do. Why? I use my rewards, my points, now, and I use my credit card to pay for everything. So I build my points. I pay that credit card off at the end of the month. I ain't keeping no balance. Such a neighbor say, no balances. It's the devil. Now, that's the devil, <laughs> a balance. But when you have your rewards and your perks, now you're taking advantage of what's called OPM in business. That's other people's money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you need one with some rewards or perks. Perks, rewards. Okay, rewards. Somebody say rewards. rewards. Perks. When you get mint, it'll actually, and I've given them a lot of public service, but it'll actually make recommendations based on your credit because then they're going to show you your credit score. And I don't, I'm not going to jump into the woods about that, about FICO and all that, but, but, uh, but they'll give you a credit score um, that's pretty close to the real one. And then they're going to recommend various cards, and you got to look and look at the rewards. The credit card company is blessed to have you, not you blessed to have it. So I changed my mentality. All right, last piece to this. I'm teaching you stewardship over your finances, okay? See, everything is something that can be monetized. All right, what does that mean? Your home. How many people own a home? All right, okay. All right, how many people do you rent a home? Okay, well, what the rest of y'all do? Some of y'all didn't raise your hand for either. Okay. How many others? Okay, okay, all right, all right. Now, you got to monetize it. There's something called Airbnb. And, and somebody out there shouting. You got to monetize what you have. Now, what are you saying, Bishop? I'm taking everything I have and I look at it as a vehicle to monetize something. Monetize means make money from it. Say make money moves. Okay, pastors, if you got a building, you monetize that building. Which means you get some other folk in there to use it so that they end up paying for it. Okay, well, Bishop, we don't want to do that because, you know, they, people be touching too much. Hire you a cleaning company and let them come clean that thing up and get you some folk in there to rent that building so that now they're paying for the building. And when you have church, oh, that's your overflow. If you're a business owner, rent out part of your office when you're not there. Why? Let them pay for it. Monetize it. What if they steal something? That's what insurance and the police is for. If you have a car and you don't do nothing but four days out a week but lay around and sit up and watch reruns, monetize it. Uber and Lyft. If you give a Lyft, you can give your finances a Lyft. I was out, I was out walking the other night, and, uh, and I saw all these lights on the dashboards. And I said, what's all that? I said, there's Uber and Lyft and Uber and Lyft. I said, they are out strong tonight. 
Put, now, I'm just using these as examples. Everything could be monetized. Say make money moves. Everything could be monetized. I, I, are y'all learning this morning? So here's stewardship. You got you, you to track it. Once you track, you need to see what you can refine, reduce. And then you got to get credit card with some rewards or perks. That way you're able to use that now to benefit yourself. And then you got to see everything as something that can be monetized. Your home, your car, anything that can be monetized, you got to see it as something that can be monetized. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All right, now, so, 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 so the first instruction I gave you to make money moves was follow instructions. The second was to do what? Fix your stewardship, all right? Here's the third thing. Say fight back. All right, we fight back with our giving. And I know you may think it's cliche, but it is God's way anyway. Faithful giving provides for your living. Say faithful giving provides for my living. Here's a scripture, and I'm going to close it because I'm out of time, and I'm going to give you an instruction. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, you've seen this scripture before, but I need you to see this. If you are not a faithful giver, giving is how you fight back. I said giving is how you fight back. Giving is how you get your way out of a valley. When that widow gave, the scripture says, uh, the Lord said, I've never seen such great faith like this. When Elijah was dealing with a widow woman, and she says, all I have, she said, all I have, say all I have. She said, all I have is some flour and a little oil. And she said, I got to do something with this flour and oil. You know what Elijah said? He said, why don't you give it? Here's what he said. He said, go make a cake, but give it to me first. What was he saying? If you're going to sow, you're going to see God increase what you sow. In other words, it's always God's way that the way for you to see increase is to give. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. Somebody said, I'm fighting back. Uh, when lack comes in, the way to fight back is through your giving. Uh, when uh, 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 poverty steps in, the way to fight back is through your giving. And it may look crazy when you first give it, but then once you start giving and you start seeing the harvest come back, you will say, I'm so glad that I was willing to fight back with my giving. Somebody holler, I fight with my giving. Second Corinthians 9, 6, you know the scripture, but I need you to see it. But this I say, he who sows or gives what? Sparingly will also do what? Reap sparingly. And who who sows what? Bountifully. That means a whole lot. How are they going to reap? Bountifully. Look at me, morning session. God says, if you want to reap big, you're going to have to sow big. I don't know about you, but watch this. You should have graduated beyond 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 dollar offerings. You ought to be stepping now into levels where you want to see some great increase. And I'm not beating you up if that's where you are. What I'm saying is the goal is to always give more so that I'm able to harvest more because it is through my giving that I harvest. It's through my giving that I receive. And somebody say, it's in the book. Say, this is a money move. Everybody don't understand giving, which is why some people never make money moves. But when you understand the power of giving, God can take you from the zero to the ten. He'll take you from the bottom to the top. He'll take you from lack into overflow. Somebody say, I'm fighting back. Verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly nor of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. I want to challenge you for the remaining sessions we've got together, that every time you get an opportunity to sow, sow it. Every time there's an unction to sow, sow it. Why? It is not because God's trying to get something from you. To the contrary, God is trying to get something to you. Somebody say, I'm making money moves. Say it again, I'm making money moves. So let each one give in his heart. In other words, he says, make up your mind that you're going to fight back through your giving. And I'm here to tell you, I don't need a scripture because I got my life I can look at. I think there's some people in here that can say, Bishop, even if the Bible didn't say that, I'm going to live and walk and talk and breathe and witness that when I give, won't he open doors? And won't he make a way out of nowhere? Stop your neighbor, high five and say, make a money move. 
8, and God is able to make all grace. Grace means favor. And favor, watch this, is more powerful than money by itself. See, watch this. Money can buy you a doctor, but it can't get you help. Money can buy you a lawyer, but it can't get you justice. When you start giving, God says, I'm going to make favor come your way, which means I'm going to raise up somebody to do for you what you can't do for yourself. It only takes one somebody to make a difference. Earlier this year, I called Pastor Dyer after it happened. I just got back off of a flight coming back from Dallas, and I had a meeting with somebody. The plane got in late, and so I was an hour late getting into the meeting, but the man said, no, I don't want to leave. I want to be right here. I walked into the meeting, did the meeting. After the meeting, a staffer walked in my office, and the staffer gave me an envelope, and I look, give me this envelope here. And I, got, and I opened up the envelope, and I looked at it. Watch this. Touch your neighbor. Say favor. I open up the envelope, and when I open up the envelope, the largest one-time gift our church has ever received was in that envelope. Okay, you ain't shouting, so let me tell you. A $30,000 check was put in my hand. A $30,000 check was put in my hand. Why? Because God says you don't have to be in Atlanta. You don't have to be in Houston. You can be right here in Denver and I'll, I'll send favor your way. Somebody holler favor. Holler again favor. And God is, I feel like preaching through here. Uh, and he is able to make all grace. Say all grace. Abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Say all things. Lack is not your portion. Stress is not your portion. None of that belongs to you. He says that you put it up, having sufficiency in all things, may have a what? Abundance for every good work. Now, I need you to lay your hands on yourself, and I want you to say your name. Say, God is able to make, give me the verse, all grace abound. That means turn toward me. Say your name. Say that you. Say your name. Say, always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. How is it that you're going to make some money moves? You're going to do it through your giving. And your giving is going to fight for you. I wish I had a witness. I said, I wish I had a witness in this place. Somebody say, my giving's fighting for me. Say it again. My giving's fighting for me. Now, this year, we endeavored to raise 100K in one day, and we met the goal, but let me tell you how we did it. The church gave 25000 God raised up one person to give 75000 Don't you tell me what giving can't do. Don't you tell me what giving can't do. Don't you tell me what giving can't Somebody say, my giving is fighting for me. You are not supposed to lack. Your church is not supposed to struggle. Your business is not supposed to struggle. It's time to make some money. It's time to make some. It's time to make some. Now give them a praise all in here. I said give them a praise all in here. Ah. 
Feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal.